the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic's Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. As usual, Alan Dempsey does our engineering, does it superbly. And Andrew Herdliska is our producer. June Hunt is with me, uh, founder and CSO of Hope for the Heart, uh, author of a book called Forgiveness. June, I'm always delighted when we can uh, gather and hook up like this, and I'm uh, looking forward to our chat. Thank you. I'm honored to be with you again. Why do so many people have difficulty forgiving, June? Well, very simply, it doesn't feel fair. In fact, forgiveness is not based on fairness. Uh, It wasn't fair for Jesus to hang on the cross, Uh, but he did so so that we could be forgiven. Uh, I think, for me, uh, I had a tremendous difficulty forgiving and uh, actually thought it was wrong. Uh, And because, to me, it would be letting the guilty off the hook. And what I mean by that is uh, my dad uh, had multiple affairs, uh, and I cared deeply for my mom, and I wanted to protect her. I And he was cruel at times, and, and uh, not always, but it, uh, it was so unpredictable. And so uh, I, I really had not just anger toward him. I had, I had hatred, and uh, forgiveness was not logical. I was a very logical person growing up, I, um, and now I'm too, still still that way. I'm uh, math-oriented. You know, math makes sense uh, because there's an equation. Usually there's an equation and there's a right answer. And so my equation for my dad was um, God hate sin, and by the way, I wasn't a Christian, um, uh, I, didn't, wasn't, I didn't grow up with uh, the Bible or anything like that, and then I became a Christian, but I can tell you the intensity for me was b- before and even after becoming a Christian, because I really thought I was right, um, and so I cared what God said, but this was my equation, God hates sin, Dad is sinning, God hates Dad. I hate Dad. Mm. Now, that seems very logical to me. Uh, That's not what the Bible says. It's not uh, the right equation. But that's how I did see it. And uh, so when you grow up with a target, uh, and and, uh, he did not ask forgiveness. He didn't ever say, I'm sorry. So to me... Uh, that would be just excusing unjust behavior if you forgive. 
and I I think I I really uh, was stuck, and um, I would do kind of this um, like looking at him like daggers. I thought nobody confronts him. He's highly successful in business. He has all these yes people, and so. I thought somebody's got to let him know how wrong he is. I tried one time to uh, confront, and uh, how can you hurt someone who's totally dedicated to you, meaning my mother? And uh, he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. And actually, in a way, that was a bit helpful because at least he uh, admitted that... um, in other words, it's like, it, it helped later on, especially, thinking, well, why am I, Christ, uh, I expecting someone who's not a Christian to have a commitment to Christian values? Uh, still, uh, well, in, in that exchange, it was very uh, negative, and um, I didn't handle it well, and he ended up beating me the only time he ever did that, and I finally... I just, I just said, um, hell will freeze over. This is to myself. Hell will freeze over before I shed a tear, and um, I just kept waiting for him to quit. Uh, I protected my neck because I knew that I had to be careful there, and he just wore out. And I stood up and I said, "Are you finished?" And he said, "Yes." And so on. June, how do you describe true forgiveness? Well, there's there was the key. I didn't. No, and then later, it was, oh, okay. It may it means the word release, or or can be dismissed. Uh, and I'm talking about if you really look at the Greek uh, noun, it's dismissal or release. So it's like dismissing a debt, dismissing a debt. If you are owed an an immense amount of money, and you there was supposed to be a payback. And let's say that person um, gets into a horrible crash and can no longer work. This man who promised you to pay back $5,000, and yet this person now, this man can't work and all. You could choose to say, hey, uh, buddy, I, I just want you to know I'm dismissing the debt. It's dismissing your demand that you are owed something um, when they fail to meet your expectation or keep a promise or treat you justly. Now, it also means the word release. Um, It's releasing your resentment. Uh, It's releasing your right to hear, I'm sorry. And that was a big deal to me, that, that he never, ever admitted wrong about anything. It's releasing your right to be bitter or to get even. Now, the Bible even says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. June Hunt is my guest. Uh, June, what do you think is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? Uh, By the way, that's one of the reasons why people don't forgive. They'll say, I can't because I cannot reconcile with this person. Well, reconciliation is very different from uh, forgiveness, and and this is a big deal. Uh, In 
fact, I, I wrote a book called How to Forgive When You Don't Feel Like It. Mm. And uh, the first person, a, a, a reviewer of books, he wrote a blog or wrote, wrote something, and I never forget, first thing I ever got on it, this man said, this is the first time I see that I can forgive someone that I've uh, been at odds with for years because I thought reconciliation was the same thing as forgiveness. It is not. Um, forgiveness focuses on the offense, whereas reconciliation focuses on the relationship. Uh, forgiveness requires no relationship. Uh, however, reconciliation requires a relationship within two people. Uh, and the Bible says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? That's uh, Scripture Amos, Amos, uh, Amos 3.3. Um, now, uh, the way to put it uh, practically here, forgiveness is one way. Reconciliation is reciprocal, meaning it's, it occurs two ways. Uh, it is a free gift to the one who's broken trust, whereas reconciliation is a restored relationship based on, and here's your key, restored trust. So there has to have been a change in the behavior of the offender. So forgiveness involves a change in thinking about the offender, whereas reconciliation involves a change of behavior by the offender. And forgiveness is extended even if it's never, ever earned, whereas reconciliation is offered to the offender because it has been earned. We could say it this way. Forgiveness is unconditional regardless of a lack of repentance, whereas reconciliation is conditional based on repentance. Hey, Pat, do you have a daughter? Oh, I've got a bunch of them. I've got eight daughters. Really? Oh, my goodness. Okay. As an example, let's say there's a couple living next door, an older couple, and you and your wife are juggling lots of things. June, hold your thoughts. we got to take a break, and I want to get on this when we come back. June Hunt is with us. We're talking about her latest uh, little book. It's called Forgiveness. Uh, I'm Pat Williams. This is the Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. How would you describe your health care? If you're like most Americans these days, the word affordable isn't top of mind. Well, here's some good news. There's actually a trusted health care option that is affordable. It's called MediShare. Unlike insurance, MediShare is Christian health care sharing, a community of more than 200,000 believers across America who share each other's medical expenses. It's about half the cost of insurance, and it's fully acceptable under the law. And here's the best part. Because MediShare is based on biblical principles, you never pay for things that go against your beliefs. MediShare is affordable health care for Christians. Learn how thousands of Christians can help you save on your health care. For your free information guide, call 844-41-BIBLE. Now available in Montana. MediShare, affordable biblical health care. Call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 
Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org, 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. We all know that nature goes in cycles. Spring follows winter, summer follows spring, and so on. If we learn from the mistakes of the past, the same things won't keep happening. Moses emphasized this to the second generation of Israelites on their journey to the promised land. To learn more about it, join us on Through the Bible as we study the book of Deuteronomy. Through the Bible, weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Best-selling author June Hunt is my guest. So, June, I want you to pick up uh, right where you were uh, before the break. Well, we're talking about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, yes. which is a big deal. So you've got a couple, an older, thoughtful couple who are willing to, you know, take care of the kids, um, or at least one of the children or more, you know, when, when you've got, and uh, you and your wife have to be gone, and... Um, you know, you, occasionally I have them over for dinner, and uh, and and you you don't mind. Here's a safe place next door. Except you learn one day that this man next door was actually a pedophile. Oh boy! Had no idea. You had. I mean, you totally trusted this man who was so appearing to be so kind and helpful. Now you had been having him them at your home periodically, the couple, would you continue doing that? No. No. Because your God-given role is to be a provider and a protector of your children. Now, someone who would violate your trust, and especially your child's body, your daughter, you you, you would never do that. Okay. So, you can, in fact, you need to be able to release this man by forgiving forgiving him, uh, but to reconcile could tra- put your put your daughter back in trauma uh, in terms of just you know this reconciled relationship. What I'm saying is, when there is a violation, you must prioritize what is right for your child that was. That was violated, and so therefore, reconciliation um, would be inappropriate to go back as a restored relationship because there is not restored trust. So therefore, how do you forgive? <laughs> um, it, it, and some people would say, "Well, I I can't forgive that." Can consider, and this is what I thought: it's letting the guilty off the hook. Instead, it actually is taking the guilty person off of your hook and putting that guilty person onto God's hook. Because God is the one who says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Mm -hmm. 
And this, by the way, would be the same thing in regard to, uh, let's say, domestic violence. There are many people who sincerely believe that they have to stay in a violent home. Uh, Here's a wife who is being beaten. And she believes that she has to do this. Well, no, uh, the Bible says do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. So you have a biblical right to move out of harm's way. And that's huge. That's Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four. So you don't reconcile with the person unless there is a change in behavior. Um, and that way there can be a later restored relationship with that within that husband-wife relationship. But until there is a change, uh, it is not wise, because typically uh, that uh, abuser will continue to abuse again because it's all about power. June, what do you think is the root cause of unforgiveness? Uh, that's huge. There, there's a, a mindset it's natural for me to resent those who've wronged me. If I forgive them, they'll get away with it. And my offenders need to repay. They need to pay for the wrongs committed to me. Now, you and I know, Pat, um, there's no way to get true repayment. You can't erase the past. Uh, and, uh, and and so in a way, if, if, if it's taking that offense uh, and just Focusing on the wrong, um, it, it reflects more of an attitude of pride that sets you up, I'm going to say it this way, as a higher judge than God himself. If God is willing to forgive us and we don't deserve it, then when we're told to forgive, then we are setting ourselves up as a higher judge. Uh, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgive you. Now, now there is a right belief. The right belief would be, because God has totally forgiven me, I can re- release my resentment and choose to forgive others. But I will rely on Christ, who is living in me, to forgive through me. Because some people say, well, I, I just don't think I can do it. Well, maybe you can't. But if you have humbled your heart and received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the equation has changed. It's different because now you have, the Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, with him on the inside, because Jesus chose to forgive even when he was hanging on the cross and his crucifiers had not come to him saying, oh, Jesus, how... We, we see we were wrong. Please forgive us. There was none of that. They mocked him. They, uh, they crucified him. And he, on the cross, prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So the point is, you may feel I can't forgive, but as Jesus literally forgave, we too can forgive because we are given the power to do what God tells you to do. In fact, God would never tell you to do something that you would be unable to do. Now, June, I want you to talk about this topic. 
Uh, it's the hook illustration you use to explain the impact of unforgiveness in our lives. Uh, fill us in on that. Well, usually when I am speaking uh, and trying to explain, I find it helpful at times to have a physical something. Uh, and I, I did, this is what happened the other day. I was using... Uh, I was asked specifically to speak on forgiveness, and beforehand, um, uh, well, not beforehand, uh, at the beginning, I asked, how many of you know what it's like to have great difficulty forgiving? You can't, you know, you just say, I, I, I can't. I've tried, I can't. And I saw all these hands go up, and uh, and I had already told that I had great difficulty. In fact, I even thought it was wrong. So, uh I, I saw a man about uh, 28, and uh, at the end, I I asked him, uh, would you help me? So I pulled him up on, with me on stage, and I put a meat hook around his neck, and uh, that kind of got his attention, and I put a burlap bag on the meat hook, and then I had a whole bunch of heavy, heavy rocks on my right side. And so I said, hold this very tightly because the meat hook uh, was holding this burlap bag and I knew what I was going to do with all these heavy, heavy rocks, some of more boulders. And I said, tell me, what was so painful to you? And he got tears in his eyes and he said, my girlfriend left and we have a daughter. And, and so I said, you mean, are you saying she abandoned you? And, and he said, yes. Yeah. So I put this heavy rock in there, and we I continued one after another how he treated them, how you know, the words that she would say, uh, just cruel things that a mother, a mother of a child would should never say. And so it was very obviously painful to him. And he said, I tried to forgive. I can't. I, you know. And so uh, we got coming. He was struggling. This, this bag had gotten so heavy. He, and he was trying to, I said, okay, what would it be like if you carried that 100 pounds around your neck for the rest of your life? He said, mm. I couldn't do it. Mm. I said, okay, you have a choice. You can tr- keep trying to go everywhere you go with this meat hook and this this weight of 100 pounds. You have rocks of resentment, boulders of bitterness, or you could make a choice. I could release all of that pain to you, God, and I could take this heaviness uh, with this person who's offended me, this former girlfriend. I could take her off of my emotional hook and put her onto God's hook because he's the one who says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And the point is, he knows how to deal with those who wound us, who offend us, in his time and in his way. And so, as a result, um, he prayed a prayer, releasing all of that pain to the Lord, the betrayal, the words, the callousness towards his daughter, and then... He chose as an act of his will. This is not 
a decision based on feelings. It's a choice to do what God tells us to do, to forgive, not based on feelings, but based on fact. I am the one who needs to release this person who has offended me. So he prayed that prayer of, uh, I take her off of my emotional hook, and I put her on to your hook, God. And I, I ask you to deal with her in your time and in your way. And uh, it, it was uh, amazing. He had tears of relief. I said, I said, how are you feeling right now? He said, I said oh, you know, the weight's gone. I, I feel free. And I said, now every time you think of her again, you continue to take her off of your emotional hook and you put her onto God's hook. And uh, after everything was over, uh, he came up to me. He said, thank you, thank you. And he he just hugged me, and he said, I've needed to do this. His, his grandfather came up to me. He said, we've been trying to help him forgive. He's not been able to do it ever since this girlfriend left. And she was not a good person, a good influence in his life. And we want him to be made whole. And he did the steps to begin that new uh, reconciled, actually, relationship uh, with the Lord uh, to actually, he prayed to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. June Hunt is my guest, and we're talking about uh, the topic of forgiveness. Uh, what can people do, June, uh, to protect their hearts from bitterness toward their offenders? Let's Let's close our chat on that note. Well, I think it's important to realize we can have a change of heart and even change in what we do, but that doesn't mean the offender has changed. And so there's a likelihood that this person will do something to offend you again, perhaps multiple times, but realize uh, it it was Peter who came to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive? And he said, seven times, and that was a big deal, because in Jewish culture, you forgive three times, but the fourth time, you don't need to. So he was really upping it seven times, and Jesus instead said, no, Peter, it's 70 times seven. So there's a mistaken concept of you forgive once, and that's it. A woman said to me the other day, "I, I thought I had forgiven, but I guess I didn't, and it was a horrendous situation, but she had. I said, no, you did forgive. But what you need to do is to forgive again. And that means instead of focusing on the fault, uh, you forbid recurring thoughts of the wrong to enter your mind. In fact, uh, in First Corinthians thirteen five, um, there's a description of love. It says, uh, love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, you can't erase the past, but instead of harboring unforgiveness in your heart and and all of the details of what this person did, you continue to say, I refuse to focus on this. I refuse to keep a record of this because we can have our little sharpshooters and have bullets of bitterness, and at some later time we can come out and empty that chamber June Hunt has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. 
It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. It's long, over a thousand chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deepen your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join the Orlando Bible Church Saturday afternoon from 5 to 6 for What Sayeth the Scripture. Bring your Bible for an hour-long call-in program on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, the intersection of faith and reason. Who are some of the heroes in your life? For me, it is those people who give of themselves without any thought about what they get in return. Hello, I'm Alan Treba, owner of American Family Funerals and Cremations and a servant. We want to thank our military veterans for their service and commitment in defending our freedoms and our way of life. We offer special packages and guidance to our military veterans and their families during times of loss. It is the least we can do for someone who has done so much for us. You know us. We are family. AmericanFamilyFunerals.com Tune in at 3 p.m. to hear me, Carmen, on my new show, The Reconnect. Let's bring God back into the conversation. Carmen LeBurge, The Reconnect. Weekday afternoons at 3, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Here's Pat. June Hunt, our guest in that first half hour, uh, talking about her book, Forgiveness. Willard F. Harley Jr., you've heard the name, uh, best-selling author, goes by Bill, uh, lives in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, uh, author of Love Busters, and he's with us. Uh, Bill, it's a, a real treat to talk to you. Thank you for joining me. You On your show. Tell me about uh, what Love Busters mean. Offer you key to success in critical first years. Give, give us some background here, Bill. Well, my basic approach to marital therapy has been to create the feeling of love in uh, couples. And I do that because I became aware early in my career that if a couple's in love, they never get divorced. And being in love brings the best out of people in marriage. And it makes the marriage very secure. So my goal has always been to create romantic love with the couples that I, that I counsel. That having been said, uh, we, I know how to build love with my book, His Needs, Her Needs, by meeting the most important emotional needs. But I was also very much aware of the fact that there's a whole separate category here of ways in which people destroy love. And it's not, it's not the opposite of building love. It's a different thing altogether. So 
if you don't meet somebody's emotional needs, um, that, that can be a problem. But what's a bigger problem is that if you do things that hurt the other person, you're going to not only create the loss of love that you might have built, but you also create resistance to the making of love units, uh, the, the, the meeting of emotional needs. So if you engage in love busters with your, with your wife, she will, she will cut you off and not let you meet her emotional needs, and she won't want to meet yours. So I, I focus a lot on love busters because they really do make the, the, the creation of a romantic relationship impossible. Bill, the first chapter is called The Secret to Lasting Love. Uh, fill us in right there as you start the book. Well, the first thing you have to understand about romantic love is that it is something that happens uh, in, a, in a relationship uh, without, every, without people realizing it. Everything you do affects the other person, either positively or negatively. And the reason you're in love is because you've had so many positive associations. And that creates what I call the, the breaching of the romantic love threshold in a love bank. Now, the problem that you run into in maintaining a, a love relationship for the rest of your life is that uh, you can undermine all of that effort very quickly by doing some things that are instinctive. And that's what I call love busters, things that people do instinctively that destroy the love they have for each other. Joyce and I have been in, in love with each other throughout our entire married life. There's never been a month where I have not been in love with Joyce, and she claims that she's never been, that I haven't been in love with her, and she claims that she has been in love with me too. How do we do it? How do we do it? We make massive love bank deposits, and we avoid love busters like the plague. What's the love bank mean? Well, the love bank is, is, is a device that I invented to help people understand the point I just made, that everything you do affects each other. You're either making love bank deposits or you're making love bank withdrawals in each other's love banks. It's, it's the way our emotions keep track of the way people treat us. And if you make enough love bank deposits, you breach the romantic love threshold and you experience romantic love. But on the other hand, if you make a lot of withdrawals, you can actually have a deficit account. It can be a minus account. You can be in the red. And if you're enough in the red, you breach what I call the hate threshold. And you end up hating this person that you once were in love with. And a marriage full of hate is something no one wants to endure. How can love busters wreck a marriage, Bill? What have you learned there? Well, the basic problem in a love buster is that you're doing something that is upsetting to the other guy. Uh, that, that's how a love, a love buster is defined as a habit that makes the other person unhappy. And it's unrelenting. A habit is something you do again and again and again. So it's unrelenting. It, you, 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 you do it over and over, which makes can over a period of time make massive love bank withdrawals. And so what happens is that you feel that the other person becomes your worst enemy. You, 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 you defend yourself against the, this onslaught. And it, it's very, very common in marriage for people to start engaging in, in what I call love busters almost instinctively. And this is why I've written this book, to warn people against that. You do two chapters, Bill, 
on selfish demands, part one and part two. Uh, what are you writing here? Well, the basic, I have six love busters altogether, and selfish demands is the first one I talk about. Each chapter has, each, each love buster has two chapters to it. One is uh, to explain why this is such a horrible thing to happen in marriage. Mm-hmm. And the second is how to get over it, how to avoid it, how to replace it with what I call love builders. So in selfish demands, you've got a situation where a person, instead of is requesting something of, of your spouse, you're telling your spouse to do it without, their, without them being able to refuse your demand. A request is something that they can refuse without consequences, which is the way it should be in marriage. A demand is something that you say, I don't care how you feel, I want you to do it, and a surefire way to make love bank withdrawals make your spouse very unhappy. So we start with demands. It's, 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 it's the way we control and abuse our spouse, and it's the first step toward control and abuse in marriage when you just start telling your spouse what to do. Now let's move to the second issue here. You call it disrespectful judgments. Yep, it's the, it's the second step in, selfish, in, in, um, in control and abuse in marriage. When your demand doesn't work, in other words, they don't do what you tell them to do, then you start interpreting their behavior judgmentally. And you start telling them that because they're not doing this for you, they're a bad person and that they uh, should be ashamed of themselves. And so in, in, in marriage, you should never, ever be disrespectful, ever. In, in a disrespectful judgment, you are not only being disrespectful, but you are disrespectful in spades. You are taking a problem that you have with your spouse, and you are telling your spouse that because they are not doing what you tell them to do, they are somebody that you don't respect, that you don't admire, that you don't really feel should even be in your marriage. And obviously, it's a horrible love buster. It's the second stage of abuse and control. Now talk to us about angry <clears throat> outbursts. Angry outbursts is the third stage of abuse and control. Whenever you have a fight, it starts with a demand. It moves on to disrespectful judgments. And then if, not, if that doesn't work, you lose your temper. And you tell your spouse that they're going to suffer, that you're going to make them suffer for not having done something you want them to do. Angry outbursts is a form of insanity. When you're insane, you are not in control of yourself. You have no way of knowing what you're going to do. Many of the people I've known have hurt their spouses terribly while they are having an angry outburst. And this is the person that they promise to love and cherish. Angry outbursts should never occur in marriage, and it's extremely important for people to get to a point where they never lose their tempers with their spouse. Uh, let's move to the fourth item. It's just simply called dishonesty. Yeah, dishonesty is the is the fourth love buster. It is something that is some is is hard to for some people to grasp how it can be a love buster because a lot of times dishonesty is there because they don't want to hurt their spouse. They don't want to tell their spouse something that they would upset their spouse. And so they try to hold back the truth in a way to protect their spouse or stay out of trouble or, or just simply because they just feel that their spouse has, has no reason to know whatever it is. 
when it, when it, when dishonesty is revealed, and it is almost certainly to be revealed, it is a horrible love buster because then it means your spouse no longer trusts you. You lose trust. And when you lose trust in marriage, you've lost a lot. A lot of times people will tell me, women especially, will tell me that they can't make love to the husband they can't trust. And if, if, a, if a husband is dishonest in any way, basically it creates a barrier between a husband and a wife that makes the meeting of emotional needs very, very difficult. What does independent behavior mean? That's the fifth item here. Yeah, independent behavior is actually a way of behaving as if your spouse doesn't exist. Um, I wrote an article for New Man Magazine years ago where I talked about why women leave men. And the reason women leave men is because men tend to behave independently. They, I, I talk about rooms in a house where a man will have rooms that are open to his wife, roles that he plays, and rooms that are locked to his, his wife. And because she can't get into all the rooms in his house, she feels totally alienated, and she feels like she's not a partner with him. So what I create, what I try to create in couples is what I call interdependent behavior, where he opens the rooms, opens the rooms up, and lets her come in and discusses all of his behavior. I go back to what I said earlier, that everything you do is going to affect each other. Even the things done in the room that you've locked affects your spouse. And especially if you've locked a room, that affects your spouse big time. So I encourage men especially to avoid doing things that they have not discussed with their spouse first. Make sure their spouse is on board. Make sure your spouse is in, in agreement. And then you can go ahead with whatever it is you choose. That means that you're in an interdependent relationship. Now talk to us about annoying habits. Annoying habits is something that sometimes flies under the radar because we don't think it's such a big deal, um, especially men. Uh, men will say that, you know, there's hardly a thing that I do that doesn't annoy my wife in one way or another, and if I were to worry about everything that annoys her, uh, I'd be chasing my tail all over the room. Hmm. So you, you can ignore annoying habits because you feel that there's no way to address everything that your wife finds to be annoying. My argument is that even though it may, there may be a lot of issues that your wife finds annoying, and it may not seem like a big deal, like you leave your socks on the floor or, or you don't put your cup away after you've had a drink of water, the truth is it's a love buster because it's making love bank withdrawals. And sometimes if you, if you just let your spouse know that you're actually going to try to avoid some of these love busters, that becomes a great love builder, and it communicates to your wife that she really is important to you, that the way you affect her is important, and it makes her feel more like a partner being, being with you. Uh, Willard Harley is our guest. Uh, we're talking about the uh, topic of love busters. And uh, at the end of the book, uh, Bill, there's a bonus chapter called Building Romantic Love with Care. Uh, can you explain that to us? Yeah, basically, the book Love Busters is all about how to destroy your your love for each other. But th- th- I've added a bonus chapter, two, two bonus chapters, actually. One about care and one about time. The care is is learning to meet each other's most important emotional needs. It's basically what I cover in my book, um, 
His Needs, Her Needs. But I want to introduce it to people who have not read His Needs, Her Needs. So I have this chapter, extremely important for a husband and wife to meet each other's most important emotional needs, get it right. Then you'll be making massive love bank deposits throughout your entire life. And then the next chapter after that is, is building love with time. And the point I make there is that unless you take time to meet these emotional needs, they're never going to get met. And so they need to be scheduled into your week to, for, for the purpose, the deliberate purpose of making sure that you're meeting each other's emotional needs. Willard Harley is our guest. We've got another segment with Bill Harley uh, right after these messages. Uh, just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, every weekend we gather like this, and we're always very pleased when you plug in. Uh, you're listening, by the way, to 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando, Florida. Uh, stay with us. Uh, Bill Harley is back. Uh, he's located in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, we've got more with Bill right after these messages. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org, 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Hi, everyone. Pete Paquette here, your morning host at 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Hope you're having a great day today. You know what? I am having a great day. And you know why? I had a much better night's sleep last night than I did a week ago or a couple of weeks ago. You know why? My pillow is here. It helps me sleep so much better at night. And just like all of you, you know, I had been hearing about my pillow. Pretty skeptical that it was as great as everyone was saying. Well, guess what? I received it. I'm using it. I'm sleeping on it soundly every night. I love it. And you will, too. You know, Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer going on right now for our word listeners. MyPillow is offering 50% off the four-pack special, and you'll also receive free shipping. Did you hear that? MyPillow offering 50% off a four-pack special, and you'll also receive free shipping. Now, if you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. Call 800-872-4915. Use promo code WTLN. That's 800-872-4915. Promo code WTLN. Or simply go online to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use promo code WTLN. Go online, too, to MyPillow.com. Promo code WTLN. Hello, I'm Pastor Glenn Riggs, inviting you to be our guest in celebrating all that the Lord has done and experience our pioneer spirit. We're excited to share Starlight Baptist New Building with you. It's been several years in the making. We now can share God's Word with so many more souls in Central Florida through our many ministries here at Starlight. Please visit us at StarlightBaptist.com. And don't miss the broadcast ministry of Starlight Baptist. What does the Bible say? Every weekday afternoon at 4 with Pastor Riggs. Right here where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 9 the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Bill Harley is our guest, the best-selling author 
his book, of course, uh, His Needs, Her Needs, is a classic. Uh, we're talking about love busters. Uh, Bill, why is it that marriage uh, seems so hard, so difficult? Am I right? Yeah, it's a, it, well, here's, here's my theory, and that is that when you get married, chances are you're going to be in love. And being in love is a tremendous facilitator for building a relationship between a man and a woman. Um, when you're in love, there are instincts that you have that you wouldn't have any other way that makes you a great partner in marriage. And so what happens in marriage is that um, through a lot of times no fault of either spouse, they become uh, disconnected from each other. And instead of meeting each other's emotional needs, they get involved in their careers. They get involved in raising children. They may even get involved in their church. And it prevents them from taking the time that's necessary to keep those love bank balances high. Then, when you're not in love, marriage is difficult. Because those instincts that you have when you're in love are no longer there. And so what used to be effortless, uh, affection being effortless, intimate conversation is effortless, making love is effortless, uh, doing things just to be with each other, taking time to do recreational things, you don't care what the recreational activity is, you're just happy to be with the other guy. That's effortless. When you're not in love, now all of a sudden, it takes effort. And when you continue to lose your love for the other person, uh, through what we just talked about in the last segment, love busters, where you're now actually not only failing to meet the other person's emotional needs, but you're actually hurting the other person, then it becomes really hard to do the right thing in marriage. And, and of course, you have what we call a negative feedback loop, where the more out of love you are, the more difficult it is to do the right thing, which makes your marriage even worse. And the reason a lot of people get divorced is because they just simply can't stand each other at some point in time. Uh, very, very interesting, Bill. Can, can love be brought back? Absolutely. And, of course, that's the whole point of my program, and that is how do you restore love after you've lost it? And a lot of it has to do with things that you learn about in 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 uh, in in physical fitness and and in in eating habits and in and and in education and building yourself up to a point where you're making a significant contribution sometimes the beginning is difficult but once you develop good habits once you have good habits then it becomes effortless and what i try to do is get people into the habit of meeting each other's emotional needs I want them to get into the habit of not engaging in love busters. And then little by little, the love units get deposited. You don't have any withdrawals. And sooner or later, you're breaching the, love, the, the romantic love threshold again. And then you see you experience an effortlessness. We have to, a lot of people write me and say, you know, you talk about the effortlessness of a, ma- a marriage. Effort, for me, love, marriage was always a lot of work. Always a lot of work. I had to work hard to try to spend time with my spouse. I had to work hard to be affectionate. I would work hard. And I am now in love, and I don't even think of it. It's not work. It's not work anymore. It's thoroughly enjoyable. So if, if a person tells me that their marriage is a lot of work, I, they're not in love. Mm. And if I can get them to be in love by following these this program, 
and it always works when it's followed, they will then say, now it's effortless. Now I don't have to put any effort in. And I can say Joyce and I feel that way about each other. Our, our relationship is effortless, and because we're in love with each other. Bill, in your counseling, marriage counseling, uh, what's the number one problem that comes to you? Well, I deal a lot with infidelity. Mm. Um, I am probably best known for the work that I do in helping couples survive an affair. And um, even though that's not my intent, my intent is to help marriages, period. Uh, because I've been so successful in helping couples after an affair, um, that is the number one problem that, that, that comes to me. We, Joyce and I have a daily radio show. We, it's, it's not a day goes by that somebody doesn't either call in or write on an email about the struggles that they're having trying to survive an affair. So I would say that the number one problem we have in my ministry, in my working with people, is, is, the, is, is helping them overcome the results of an affair. The first book I wrote, His Needs, Her Needs, the bullet line is Building an Affair-Proof Marriage, because it was even then that I recognized that an affair is devastating in marriage. So I want people to avoid the affair by making sure that they're meeting each other's emotional needs and they are not making their love bank open to outside threats, which can create an affair. But even after a person's had an affair, just as love can be restored in marriage, a mar- a trust can be restored as well. So that's my probably our, our number one problem that we face. How hard is it to repair, Bill? Is it uh, very difficult for people? Well, it's kind of like training. It's kind of like sports training. I mean... You know, when a person's out of shape, it's hard to get started. I can remember when I was in college, I trained, I trained people, and uh, I'd have them do laps, and and um, and they'd be struggling. They'd be, as a matter of fact, some of the some of the men that I counseled uh, would actually be in tears, <laughs> you know, over it all. But by the time the training was over, they were really happy that they'd gone through it, and. Um, uh, Tom Landry, he said the, the definition of coaching is getting people to do something they don't want to do so they can be who they want to be. Mm. And that's what I try to do. I, I, a lot of times I'm catching people when they're not in love, sometimes they hate each other, they don't feel like doing the right thing. But I coach them through that so that they do the right thing long enough to build their love for each other, and then from that point on, I can just let go, and they're on their own. How important is pre-marriage counseling, Bill? Well, theoretically, it should be very important. But I have found that not too many couples that are in love and getting ready for marriage think much about how to maintain their love for each other. And you can counsel them, and they can read books and so forth. I had a good example of a couple uh, that uh, manage a manager of a Christian bookstore, and he got married, and the pastor gave him a copy of His Needs, Her Needs, and they took it on their honeymoon. And um, on the honeymoon, they had a big fight. Mm. And they decided that they would not, they would get an annulment. When oh. they got home, they would have an annulment. Oh, my. And uh, But they decided to read the book to each other on their drive home after their honeymoon. And after they'd finished reading the book... They knew what to do. They knew what they had to do. 
And this couple came up to me at a conference with their child saying that you saved my marriage. Now, if I had given them the book before the marriage, I don't know that it would have been as effective. It, it, it was because they saw the struggles that they were facing that all of a sudden the book made a lot of sense to them. Um, so I think that to some extent, all my books really are written for people that are married and are struggling to some extent. Mm. And then you see everything I'm saying makes a whole lot of sense to them. But I think people that are, they, they're getting married, they, they, they just think that there's not going to be a problem. Whatever it is you tell them, it's not going to apply to me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's when you struggle that, that, that all this advice makes a lot of sense. Um, Fuller School of World Missions uh, had a policy for years that they wouldn't train missionaries until they'd been on the field for a while. You had to go out first, and then they would train you. And I think that my, my best marriage counseling comes with people that are married that have struggled. My guest has been Bill Harley, talking about his book, Love Busters. Bill, great to talk to you. Thanks a million for joining me, and uh, I'm so happy we could visit. We've got a uh, wrap-up, folks, right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, the word, right here in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, the word. And the winner is... Coming to Orlando, Florida, May 4th through the 6th, it's the 5th Annual International Christian Film Festival at the beautiful Wyndham Orlando Resort. Join us for three exciting days of entertainment at Red Carpet Treatment, where you'll be among some of the best directors, producers, actors, and movie professionals in the Christian film industry. It's the 5th Annual International Christian Film Festival. Enjoy Christian and family movie screenings, workshops, seminars, and special guest speakers David A.R. White from the movie God's Not Dead and T.C. Stalling from War Room. It's the 5th Annual International Christian Film Festival, May 4th through the 6th at the beautiful Wyndham Orlando Resort on International Drive. Go to internationalcff.com and enter promo code WTLN Radio now and get 10% off. Go to internationalcff.com and enter promo code WTLN Radio now and get 10% off the 2017 International Christian Film Festival presented by 24 Flicks. Go to internationalcff.com and enter promo code WTLN Radio and get 10% off now. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Well, folks, I'm glad you can join me here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. June Hunt, our guest, in that first half hour, uh, talking about her latest uh, writing project called Forgiveness. And then uh, Bill Harley, Willard F. Harley Jr., jumped in with us from the Twin Cities of Minnesota uh, talking about love busters. Interesting chat with Bill Harley. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. I hope you enjoy my latest book. It's out now. It's called The Success Intersection. When your greatest talent intersects with your strongest passion, you've found your sweet spot in life, and that's where you want to live. That's where you want to work. That's where you want to get paid every two weeks. The book is out, of course, at Amazon.com, a wonderful way to order books. 
We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.